When Jesus comes and returns and takes us to heaven, it's going to be kind of an exciting event. It looks like, reading the Bible, the first thing that we will be aware of is a trumpet sound. And it's going to be uh, you know, coming from up in the air, and at first we might be a bit puzzled and it'll get louder. And then there'll be a voice that we'll hear uh, where Jesus will say loudly, Come up here. And then the next thing happens is our bodies are changed in a twinkling of an eye. We go from this uh, wretched thing to a glorified body that will have zero pain and will be really cool and full of energy and, and be skinny and sing good and lots of hair and all the things that you wanted in a body will be yours when we get this new body. And then we take off. We sort of, I think we're going to leave kind of slow and just sort of enjoy the takeoff as we meet the Lord and we head off to heaven with our new bodies. That's when he comes back. Now, we don't know when that's going to be. Could be today, could be uh, five years from now, could be ten years from now, could be a hundred years from now, but he is coming back. Now, <clears throat> I'm praying that that happens before I die, but I don't know that it will. And so if I die, uh, when I'm done preaching, walk off the pulpit, fall over dead, and uh, you're sort of curious and come up and give me a kick. Uh, one of the things that you'll know is that that's just a, a pile of dirt, really. Nobody's home. The real me is gone. Now, when I die after the service, uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I don't get my new body until Jesus comes and takes everybody to heaven. And that could be a week, it could be 10 years, it could be 20 years, it could be 50 years until I get my new glorified body. And so the question is, in the interim between when I die and the real me on the inside takes off for heaven and the day that Jesus comes and takes everybody and gives us our brand new bodies, uh, how do I function? When I'm in heaven, do I see? Yeah, I'll see. Can I hear Jesus and talk to God? Sure. Will I have an ability to think? Yeah. See, the inner person, the real person, what we would call our spirit, our soul, our heart, uh, has what the Bible calls spiritual eyes and ears. And uh, there's a difference between our brain physically and our mind that we take with us with all the memories and all the experiences when we get to heaven. And so I will commune with God, I will fellowship with God, I will experience Him in heaven, uh, my spirit, until I get my glorified body. So right now where you sit, uh, you're sort of... Uh, the outside, the shell that stays if you die, and the real you on the inside that has the ability to commune with God and to understand God and to know God and to sense His presence that will leave if you die. And so I want to talk about the inner person this morning and our eyes and our heart uh, and our ears that our inner person has uh, because it's real. And it has a major impact on our relationship with him. See, the fact there's a lot of people who are blind, not physically, but spiritually inside. Their spirit can't see. It can't hear. And therefore, doesn't know what's true. Uh, doesn't get it. Can't sense God. Really doesn't understand the Bible. Makes no sense. Because our inner person, uh, our spiritual eyes and ears don't work. They're not functioning so John, we're in the Gospel of John. There's a story this morning about a blind man. And so John chapter 9, verse 1, as he, Jesus, passed by, he saw 
a man blind from birth. He was born that way. And all of us, when we're born, we're born spiritually blind and deaf. And when we become a believer in Jesus, uh, there's a resurrection that takes place, as it were, a new birth that happens where our spirit is able to see and to hear, uh, experience God, have a relationship with him, know what's true. But there is a significant problem that happens with us is that we drift away from God. Uh, our spiritual eyes become dull, can't see, can't get it, can't understand. Our ears become, ah, it doesn't make sense. Most of you know I went on a bicycle trip this summer, August, September, rode my bicycle to Portland, Maine, 4,020 miles. Uh, I left, I was 230 pounds. I came back, I was 185. Lost 45 pounds on the trip, and I was probably, without any uh, stretching, uh, exaggerating in better physical shape than I'd been since I was in high school. And when I came back, I thought, wow, this is so cool to weigh 185 pounds and to be in such great shape. I'm never going to let this slip away. Got on the scales this morning. I weighed 202. I've gained 17 pounds, and I went up the stairs last night, and I got to the top, and I go, whoa, man, it's only been like five months, six months. How, how quickly you lose what you once got that you thought you would never lose. And, you know, physical, it's, it's sad, but spiritual, it's really sad. And so I want to talk about how we can experience renewal. That is, uh, our eyes can be sharpened, that we can see 2020, our ears can hear, and we can know and experience God and, and know his will for our life and know what's true and what isn't. And we can do that on a regular basis, and it can happen uh, Easily, His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, it's neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as, as it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes. If you were there... Would you think that was strange? Yeah, I would think it was strange. Spit in the ground and stir it up with your finger and take a bit of that mud and put it on his eyes. Whoa, Jesus, what are you doing? And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Shalom, which is translated Seth. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is not this the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, this is he. Others were saying, no, but he's like him. Just looks like him. He couldn't be. But he kept saying, I'm the one, I'm the one. So they were saying to him, how? How then were your eyes opened? He answered, the man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Shalom and wash. So I went away and washed and I received my sight. They said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. So this is kind of the way Jesus works. He gives me a little assignment Easy, simple, not hard to understand, not hard to do. And then he honors that obedience, that little thing that I do. Uh, go wash your eyes. How hard is that? Piece of cake. As a result, he could see. Now, who is the one who restored his sight? Did the guy restore his own sight by washing the clay out of his eyes? Anybody knows that's not true. 
So why did Jesus do it that way? Well, because he partners with us. He wants us to demonstrate our faith by some obedience. Not a big deal. Easy. Anybody can do it. Last week we talked about planting corn. You plant a piece of corn in the ground, pat it down, give it a little water, keep the weeds out, and it grows, and it, and it has ears, and you eat it for dinner. Who is the one who made the corn? God did. What did you do? You planted the seed. What if you hadn't planted the seed? There would be no corn. And so I do something small, God does something big. You do something small, God does something big. And so uh, the key to power, the key to tr- transformed living, the key to being renewed on the inner person is understanding what your part is, what the little part that you do that God honors and does great things in your life through. So if you have your notes and your bulletin, let's fill in the blanks. Number one, Jesus came into the world to give sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. In the Old Testament, there are literally thousands of prophecies about the coming Messiah, about Jesus coming into the world. Uh, in detail about what he would do and what he would say. Uh, He fulfilled them literally. And one of the ones that's repeated regularly is that when he comes, he will heal blind people and give hearing to deaf people. John the Baptist was wondering about whether Jesus was indeed the Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament, so he sent his disciples to ask him, and he gives this message in Luke 7, 22. He answered and said to them, Go and report to John... What you have seen and heard, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. That's what the Messiah would do, and that's what he did. Psalm 146, verse 8, a prophecy concerning the coming Messiah. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Isaiah 29, 18, on that day, on that day, that is the day the Messiah comes, the deaf will hear words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. Isaiah 35, 5, then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Number two, we are all born spiritually blind and deaf. It's a spiritual birth defect. Uh, Our inner person, the real us, the the Bible doesn't make sense. Uh, You hear about Jesus, God, dying on a cross, it, it, it... it just doesn't compute. Our inner person um, is deaf and blind. Second Corinthians 4.4, 4, in whose case the God of this world, speaking of the devil, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so they might not see, might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so you, you, you talk to people, relatives, family, neighbors, people at work, you, you invite them to church, you share with them your faith, and you get this pushback, this resistance, uh, sarcasm. Why? Well, because the inner person that, is, that needs to commune and understand God and to understand the, the message of the Word of God, it makes no sense. Because if your inner person, the real you, the eyes are blind and the ears can't hear, it makes zero sense. Matthew thirteen fifteen. The heart of this people has become dull. With their eyes they scarcely hear. They have closed their eyes. John eight forty three. Why do you not understand? Why do you not understand what the Bible says? What I'm saying is because you cannot hear. You cannot hear. The disciples of Jesus, they saw him feed 5,000 people with a, and, and their wives and their kids with a few loaves and fish. He saw them feed 4,000 later. 
with wives and kids, thousands of people with a few fragments, and then they forgot to take anything with them for lunch, and they're talking about it. And Jesus says this in Mark 8, 17. Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? And so, uh, you know, it's one thing to lose what I gained on the bicycle trip. It's a totally different story to lose what I gained when I became a believer in Jesus and have that happen. My heart become hard, my ears become dull, my sight um, get poor. Jeremiah 5.21, now hear this, O foolish and senseless people who have eyes but do not see and have ears but do not hear. The Pharisees, they were the ones that resisted Jesus at every turn. In Matthew 23, verse 16, woe to you blind guides. Verse 17, you fools and blind men. Verse 19, you blind men. Verse 24, you blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Verse 26, you blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may become clean also. Matthew 6, 22, speaking of our inner person, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? John eight forty three. why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You don't get it, you can't see. And so, I'd like to know how to be renewed on the inside again and again and again. That is, my eyes would be clear and my ears would be sharp and I could understand the Word of God clearly. I would know what's true, what isn't true. I would know the will of God. Um, and uh, I can do that. There's a, just a little simple thing that we can do, every one of us, like washing the clay off our eyes and regaining our sight. Number three, Jesus will give sight and hearing to our hearts. That's what he does. It's sort of like going to the eye doctor and getting a fresh prescription. It's like going, I've got hearing aids but I'm not wearing them because they're broken. But they have a lifetime guarantee on them, so I'm going to take them back and they're going to get fixed. And the last time I put them in, they just didn't work very well because my hearing had gotten so much worse than when I bought the hearing aids. But, you know, you can crank them babies up. And I'm going to have him turn them up and I'm going to get them and I'm going to stick them in my ears and I'll be able to hear you in the foyer where now I just nod and smile. Pretend like I hear you. <laughs> I hope you're saying something good when I'm nodding and smiling. So Jesus can restore my spiritual eyes and restore my spiritual ears, and he can do that on an everyday basis. Um, A, in your notes, when we regain our spiritual senses, we will be able to understand the truth. Ever have anybody explain something to you that was sort of complicated, and uh, as you listened, you got it, and you said to them, I see. What you're saying is, I understand. And so when your spiritual eyes are sharp, you understand, you get it. You know what's true, you know what isn't true. You read the Bible, it makes sense to you. Uh, you hear information, you, you get it. You know what it's saying. Matthew thirteen sixteen. Blessed are your eyes, Jesus talking to his disciples, because they see, your ears, because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, to hear what you hear and did not hear it. They just didn't get it. Ephesians 1, 18 Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I pray for every one of you every week. I have my 
prayer journal in my iPad, and with most of you, I have your pictures in there, and I have prayer requests, and I, get, I go through that every single week without fail. And this is one of the prayers that I pray. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you'll know, you'll know, you'll fully understand what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is, what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. I pray that God would open your eyes so that you would fully know the greatness of all that his promises are to you, the beauty and the glory of heaven and his strength, it would make sense. Luke twenty four forty five. then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He, Jesus, opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Uh, wouldn't it be cool if every time you read the Bible it made perfect sense? You got it? Acts sixteen fourteen. a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening, listening to Paul's sermon the Lord opened her heart to understand to understand the things spoken by Paul. And so every time uh, over in my office before I came over here this morning, I've got a little kneeling bench, and I kneel down there and put my arms on the little railing, and I pray for us that God will do that, that he would help me to preach with clarity and that he would work in your mind and heart and you would understand his word. John eight thirty two again, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You'll know. You'll know, you'll understand, you'll get it, because God opens our eyes and our ears. Be, when we be, regain our spiritual senses, we will be increasingly more aware of our own sin and character flaws. So, <clears throat> I don't know if you knew this or not, but I notice your, your sin. Uh, I can see it quite easily. Pretty small sins I can notice. Character flaws I easily pick up on, and you do as well. My wife, she can, I mean, there's nothing in me small that she doesn't, isn't aware of. And you see people around you. Did you know that you see the sin in other people way easier and better than you see your own? In fact, we're kind of blind to our own faults and character flaws and sin. Uh, we're sort of oblivious to them, but we can see everybody else's pretty well. And as we see them regularly, over and over again, it kind of irritates us a bit. And we'll often share it with somebody else. Did you know so-and-so? And, uh, we we kind of do that. Uh, did you realize this, that when your heart regains its sight and ears, that you are all of a sudden uh, aware of you and your sin character flaws? You see them, and you're able to work at them um, instead of being focused on everybody else around you. Jesus said, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye? Speck, you know, the little problem. You don't notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly. You will see clearly. You will see clearly to take the speck out of your, out of your brother's eye. Uh, you know, I do a lot of counseling, and I would guess that about 99% of every marriage problem is that verse. I have a husband and wife there. So whose fault is this marriage? It's his. It's hers. Uh, but when you, you can see inside your real you on the inside, the eyes are clear, the ears are sharp because of renewal, then all of a sudden you realize uh, you're the problem and you need to work on you and fix you. Then you'll be able to see clearly. See, when our heart is able to see and hear, we'll, we'll, we will know God's will uh, for our lives. You'll know what the perfect will of God is for your life. 
On the bicycle trip, uh, I had you know my cell phone, and one of the things that my I could do with my cell phone is program in the destination we were headed for that day. And uh, fairly often we would stay at a home. There's an organization called Warm Showers, and it's people that are bicycle enthusiasts, and they sign up for this thing. And they're saying that they will agree to keep bicyclists at their home that are traveling. Uh, let them take a shower, camp in their yard, or have a bed for them and feed them a meal. And it's really cool because it doesn't cost any money. And so it's an app, and you down 70,000 addresses in the U.S. of people that are signed up for this warm shower thing. And so when we're heading, we're like, okay, is there anybody? Yeah, here's somebody. A little bit off the route, address. And so I would put the address in my phone, and about, oh, 10 miles before we got there, I would get a little case on my bicycle, put my phone in there, turn it on, put an earbud in my ear, and it would talk to me. 500 feet, you're going to turn left. Turn left. Half a mile, you're going to turn right. Turn right. Don't even have to miss pedaling the step. Just follow the voice in my ear. Uh, 50 feet, the destination is on your left. Pull in the driveway. Hey, good to see you. Cool. Didn't get lost. Just listen to the voice. And uh, when your ears, inner person, are sharp, when your eyes you can see, uh, you'll know the will of God. Psalms 143.10, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me. Let your good spirit lead me. Psalms 25.4, make known your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. You are the God of my salvation. Psalms 25.8, good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners, that's me, in the way. He leads the humble in justice and teaches the humble his way. That's only if your eyes are sharp and your ears uh, hear well. D, when our spiritual senses are healed, we will be able to experience God. So you, you can't experience God with physical body. You experience him with your spiritual body, the same that will go to heaven. And if you can't see spiritually and your ears are dull, your ability to sense God's presence uh, doesn't work. My spirit is capable of experiencing God. Uh, Henry Blackaby wrote a book a number of years ago called Experiencing God. And he, he made this statement, the physical world is the physical world, the spiritual world is the spiritual world. If you're living in the physical world, you'll experience your wife and your kids and your neighbors and your boss. But if you're going to experience God, you've got to learn how to live in the spiritual realm. And in order to do that, you have to be able to see with the eyes of your heart and hear with the ears of your heart. And if they're not functioning, uh, you'll have no awareness of God or his presence or his will for your life. <clears throat> Revelation 3, because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind, blind, that's your heart, naked, I advise you to buy for me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich in white garments so that you may clothe yourself, that the shame of your nakedness will be not revealed and I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see, that's your spirit. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears, hears my voice, this is uh, the Lord speaking, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. That is, you experience God because you hear and see spiritually. John fourteen twenty one. he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose, disclose myself to him. Disclose myself to him. That is, you will experience God in reality. <clears throat> e, when the eyes of our heart are twenty twenty, we will be able to see people. I can see you now. 
But we see people, and then we see people. That is, we see people, and it's the obvious. But when we can really see, then we see beneath the surface. We see their needs. Uh, We see their hurts. We understand uh, where their heart is. We begin to perceive what we can do and what we can say and how we act in such a way that would uh, bless them. Uh, wouldn't it be nice to be able to see people, really? John four thirty five. do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look. Now, Jesus is not talking about these eyes. He's talking about the eyes of our heart. Lift up your eyes and look uh, and see people and know what to say and how to influence Number four, Jesus asked the blind man to do a simple act of faith to regain his sight. So I want to regain my sight. I want to keep it sharp. So what can I do? What can you do? Like planting corn, washing the clay off her eyes. It's a simple, simple act of faith uh, that I could do regularly. John 6 Through seven again, when he had said this, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and applied the clay to his eyes, and said to him, Go wash, go wash in the pool of Shalom, which is translated sent. So he went the way and washed and came back seeing. I want to do that every every day. Uh, Second Kings five, the Old Testament story, Naaman was a leper. I mean he was ugly, leprosy all over his body, and he heard that Elisha, a man of God, could heal people, and so he goes to him and So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you will be clean. Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you have done it? How much more than when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. What can I do? What could you do? Number five, there are some simple statements of faith that we can say daily that will renew our heart. Simple statements of faith that we can say daily that will renew our heart, our spirit, our spiritual eyes and ears will be renewed. So what is it that I could say, simple, every day that would be powerful enough to restore the spiritual eyes and ears of me as it would drift away and fade away because of the world. And so the words that are in Scripture that are incredibly powerful are the gospel. The gospel. The gospel has the power to save. The gospel has the power to renew. And it's fairly easy to understand straightforward. The gospel, you remember five fingers? Jesus is God. He is God. Very God, equal with the Father. Jesus left heaven, emptied himself of all that he was as God, became flesh just like me and you, experienced everything we experience. Uh, He never sinned, not even once. And then he was nailed to a cross. My sin were put on him. He became my sin, and he was punished in my place 
for my sin by the Father. He died, he was buried, he rose again, he's alive today. That's the gospel. When I believe that and declare that to be true, I'm born again, adopted into the family of God, my sins are all forgiven, my inner person, my spirit is raised from the dead, as it were, my sight is regained, my ear and hearing I can hear. And so if I drift a little bit away from God and get dull in hearing, the gospel has power to save and power to renew. Uh, it's incredibly powerful. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe, to believe in his name and in, in, in the gospel. John 3.15, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes, believes in him, uh, w- believes in him, what? The gospel shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3.18, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. John 3.36, he who believes in the son has eternal life. John 5.24, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes, believes him who sent me has eternal life, does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. John 6.35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. John 6.40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes, believes in him, will have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. John 6.47, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. John 7.38, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. John 8.24, therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins unless you believe that I am he, that I am God, that I am the Savior. John 11.25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes, believes in me, will, never, will live even if he dies. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. John 12, 46, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes will not remain in darkness. John 14, 1, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe, believe in God, believe also in me. John 14, 12, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes... He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. And at the very end of the Gospel of John, these I have written, have been written so that you may believe, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that believing you may have life in his name. Now we begin there, but we continue there. And so... I shared with you last week the toothbrush thing. I brush my teeth every morning. I don't think I've missed a morning since I was like three, brushing my teeth. So when I pick up my toothbrush in the morning, I have a little ritual thing. I pray and I say, you're, you're Lord of my life. And I, now I also, every morning, I pick up my glasses. And when I do, I hold them up to the light. And, Whoa, man, look at that. And I stick them under the water in the sink, put a little soap on them, wash it off. And, and then I dry them off with this little towel I have there and put them on Oh, now I can see. So every morning, when I do that, I like to be able to see. And I'd like to be able to see and hear in the real me on the inside. And so um, 
I'm, re- I'm memorizing this gospel, and I'd like you to read it with me now. You can read it silently or out loud. I believe that you, Jesus, are God, that you left heaven, emptied yourself of all that you are as God, became flesh, dwelt among us, and were tempted in every area as I am, but that you never sinned. I believe that you took all my sin upon yourself, that God the Father punished you, his beloved Son, in my place, that you paid the price of my sin. I believe that you died for me, you were buried, that you rose from the dead three days later. I believe that you delivered me from the domain of darkness and transferred me to your family, in, and in you I have, have redemption, the forgiveness of my sins. I am no longer going to hell. I'm going to live forever in heaven with you. And so I've written that out, and every morning I read that, and I'm memorizing it, so that in the morning, and I look and check my glasses out, I can say, I believe, and I can recite the gospel. So how hard was it for the guy to go to the pool of Shalom and wash the mud out of his eyes? Pretty easy, but the result was he could see. How hard is it to plant a corn seed? Uh, What the Lord asks us to do is not hard. It's not hard to understand. It just requires a little bit of faith and faithfulness to do it regularly. And so I'm committed to this every morning because I want to be able to see and hear and not lose it. Here's a bonus. Growing righteousness. You become more and more like him. Uh, The average individual doesn't know how to become holy or righteous As I've said last week and the week before, they think you have to try harder, but it's God doing it in us. What would prompt him to make me righteous and holy like himself, to take away habits and and sin patterns in my life? It's faith. Faith changes everything. Philippians 3.8, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own, not having a righteousness of my own, not being wholly irrighteous because of self-effort, because of trying harder, derived from the law that is following rules, um, but that which is through faith, through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God, which comes from God, caused by God, created in me by God. He does the work. He heals my sight. He gives me hearing on the basis of faith. What's the basis of our faith? The gospel. The gospel. And so every morning when I declare the gospel to be true and say, I believe, I believe, this faith grows, and the result is I become like him. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's the gospel. It's powerful. It changes me every day. And so a few other things. Be Jesus, your Lord of my life. I say that every morning. You are Lord, your King, your Master, your Boss. I will follow you. I will obey you. Whatever your will is for my life, I will do it. You are Lord. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is a curse. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You know, in the morning when I get up and brush my teeth and say, Jesus, you're a Lord, I can't say that except by the Holy Spirit working in me. And it's sort of like turning on the engine. It's turning the key and the power is released in my life. Jesus, you are Lord. 
your Lord, Master, King of my life. And so I forget, but I never forget to brush my teeth. And so I pick up my toothbrush. Jesus, your Lord, your King, your Master. Uh, whoa. I believe. And there's renewal that happens and takes place every morning, every morning, every morning. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be saved from the penalty of sin. You'll be saved from the power of sin. You'll grow. See, Jesus, I'm willing to follow you and to do whatever you want. I'm willing to follow you, do whatever you want. That's what it means to declare him Lord. And so I declare that. I say that every morning. John 7, 17, if anyone is willing, willing, I mean, we'll fail every day, we'll fail, but willing at the beginning, I, I'm willing to do his will, he will know. He will know. He will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak for myself. So he will see, will hear, will understand, will get it. And then in the morning, the last thing I do is I say, Jesus, I love you. I love you. So you've heard me say this. I can do all the right things for all the wrong reasons. I can do all the right things for all the wrong reasons and not even know it. I can be so off base in my motives. I don't want to do that. And so I say, Jesus, I love you. You're the reason. You're the reason uh, that I want to do everything that I do. And I just believe that as I say that, that it's simple, it's easy, it's quick. Not hard, doesn't take any intelligence, doesn't take any schooling, doesn't take any work, doesn't cost any money. I simply say, I love you. But God does something supernatural in me on the basis of that declaration. Second Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died, Jesus, he died for all, and he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. The love of Christ controls us. So say, I love you. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, make our abode with him. I love you. So five minutes. Five minutes is all it takes. Pick up my toothbrush, Jesus, your Lord, your Master, your King of my life. I will serve you. I'm willing to follow, do whatever you want me to do. Check my glasses out. Whoa, wash those babies off. I believe, Jesus, that you are God. I believe that you left heaven, became flesh, just like me. I believe that you lived a sinless life. I believe that you were nailed to a cross. My sins, all of them, were put on you. And you were punished in my place. You paid the price of my sin. I believe that. I believe you died, rose again in your life today. I believe I'm going to live in heaven forever, that I've been transferred from hell to heaven because of what you did. I believe that. The power of the gospel renews me, resurrects me every day. I can see, I can hear, I can understand, I get it. I'll know his will, I'll understand his word. How long does it take to do that? Five minutes. How long does it take to wash the clay out of your eyes? Just a few minutes. And so what he asks us to do is pretty simple, easy to get. But it does require that you do it. And you do it faithfully. Uh, renewal should be a daily thing. And then we never look back. 
We never drift away. We never gain the weight back. Uh, we grow and grow and grow. Um, so, toothbrush, glasses, whatever. Take that baby, tape it to your mirror, say it every morning, and just try it and see what happens and experience the renewal of Christ daily in your life. Let's pray. Father, we love you, we love you, we love you. Thank you for creating us. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for us, for our sins, that we can live in heaven forever and ever and ever with incredible joy and see you, know you. We're going to die, every one of us, unless you come first. And, and Lord, so many will not live with you because they have not believed. They've not accepted, they've not trusted the gift that you've given. And I pray that we would believe and we would renew that every day. Every day. We love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.